0: So today is a bonus episode where we will have Dr. Locke uh, interviewing me um, and and where you can learn more about uh, myself, Lifters League and where I come from. The Muscle Nerd Podcast, for everything powerlifting and sports sciences. Yep, alright, so welcome to the Muscle Nerd Podcast, Um, I'm Gus Cook, Head Coach of Lifters League and today we have Andrew Locke,
1: who is going to be doing all the interviews today. So I'm Andrew Locke of Functional Strength Rehabilitation and today I'm going to be interviewing Gus instead of Gus interviewing other people. So today the plan is a bit of a discussion about what Lifters League is and who Gus is. So with a great start Gus, tell us. What is Lifters League?
0: So, Lifters League is a strength and conditioning club. We focus on the core lifts, squat, bench, and deadlifts to bring clients and athletes to, uh, to their goals, which may relate to strength training, nutrition, uh, body composition, uh, health, anything. Um,
1: and it's all based around realistically strength. Yes. That's where your core values really lie, huh? So, Lifters League's been around for how, how long now? Uh,
0: we've been around, we established in 2016, so we just got over the two year mark. All right, now.
1: Now, realistically, what does separate Lifters League from other gyms? What is Lifters League? What's the core values? I mean, how did it become that you needed to do something different?
0: So, I wanted to go back to what, when I first started, I wanted to go back to what, how sports clubs used to be. And so I thought as powerlifting grew, you know, it became very commercialized. So I wanted to go back to something that represented a sports club. We wanted to develop a real sports club for powerlifting, which was based around uh, teamwork, camaraderie, family, and uh, where we look up to the coaches that run, that run the facility. Um, so, we keep everything, we bring the professionals together to help all our athletes grow and compete together and travel together. And yeah. So, realistically,
1: it's interesting as thoughts. Here it is, 2018. You began that in 2016. And when did you begin actually in the sport of powerlifting?
0: I started the sport and powerlifting in 2012. I didn't have, I'd been lifting powerlifts for since 2008 2009 Um, but i decided to take up it competitively in 2012 got very serious in
1: 2013. so the thought is you've you were training at a few gyms and you just saw that there was something that needed to be done that you felt there was a bit of a vacuum with is that it?
0: well at the time when i first took it when i you mean when i first took up powerlifting
1: Mm, maybe even yeah when you first took up powerlifting and you were training obviously in different places and for some reason indeed, well, you felt it was time to branch out?
0: Well, yeah, so uh, I had been doing a lot of, at the time I had been doing a lot of research about uh, lifting. So I always, when I first started lifting, I got had a mentor who t- who who did powerlifting. And so ever since I, even though I took up bodybuilding first, um, I would had always made my, my trainings around the fundamental three lifts of squat bench and deadlift. And so I was always, fascinated and um, enjoyed getting those lifts as strong as I can. Um, the, where I had the problem is, is was training out of commercial gyms. I was a personal trainer at the time as well. Um, and it's not back when I was lifting, it wasn't a uh, common place of people lifting such heavy weights or powerlifting. And so yeah, there was quite a few times where I've actually got banned from a lot of commercial gyms, because I would be (laughs) dropping too much weight.
1: So it's a bit easier when you own your own place. You don't have to worry about banning yourself, huh?
0: Yeah, (laughs) you can smash as much weight as you want.
1: So it's great, here's two years down the track, and it's established as a strength center Mm -hmm. with great competitors, having really superb success. And we'll talk about that a little bit further as we talk about you and, and the journey of Lifters League. We should also say, you know, here we are looking at 2018 leading to the future. Where does the Lifters League head from now? Where's it going to? What's the development that people can look to forward to from Lifters League?
0: So, you know, we want to have a have a competitive team and our team's getting more and more competitive. Um, we already had a few lifters go to Pro Raw and one of our girls won, to um, some of the uh, strongest lifters in in the country, and we're hoping to get the rest of our team just as competitive. Uh, we recently did state championships with them and had a few had a few wins there, a few uh, won in second place, a um, few prospects that are of lifters that are potentially going to do really really well at nationals. Um, so we're hoping to just get you know a very highly recognised competitive team.
1: You're really looking to attract people who are seeing that you've got a successful team with a very important coaching background Mm -hmm. and a really successful coaching program, which we'll talk about as well, because obviously that's something that you've done. that's quite unique is your success with the programming for your competitors at the moment Mm -hmm. and heading into the future. Obviously there's going to be an online presence for for people who can't actually be here physically. What's that going to be?
0: Um, So we have a online system. Now we're trying to grow it more before we really push it a lot harder. Um So we're trying to have a, a, a reliable online presence for anyone who wants to take up strength training. Um, and not just strength training in terms of, you know, we'll always base our lifts around powerlifting, but, you know, this is for anyone want to start any sort of strength training, whether, whether their goal is just for health or becoming competitive. Um
1: You also, obviously, I've seen some bodybuilding people involved who have... Looking at body composition changes, I've seen quite a few female competitors talking with the coaches here.
0: Yeah, we have a, um, we have some remarkable results with uh, bodybuilding, where we've had have actually had um, quite a few placings with with with, uh, my, with our main focus of training being powerlifting and and more heavy lifting, less you know less cardio, less less starving themselves, and more training quality. So we emphasize, especially when it comes to nutrition, emphasize on getting more out of your training rather than just trying to eat less food.
1: You've had some really interesting success with this with a lot of competitors, that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a um, generic program. It looks like something you've actually developed that's very singular and stands different from what I've seen other coaches do. How did you develop that, and what is it?
0: Well, so I've been working on a very comprehensive program System of programming for the last five years now, and it it had combined. I've probably written about five six hundred templates, and I've managed to actually narrow it down to about uh about one hundred and fifty to two hundred. But we have a systematic approach on how we classify lifters, their skill, um, and break the programs down into into blocks. Basically, the blocks represent uh different outcomes you want to achieve whether it's hypertrophy strength speed technique power they all um have and then each of them spur out into various various loads intensities and frequencies that we have or trialed every program I have trialed on a person, and they haven't been written in, unless a person has tried it, and they're not go, they don't go public to any of our other coaches until I have at least one person who had gone through it, where I can monitor and then modify the program. And um, once we have all these templates, we also personalize every single one based off assessment protocols that we have uh, for each person.
1: So that's interesting. It's a very personalized approach. No cookie cutter you're really taking a lot of information in and tailoring each of the programs to individuals, specifically with a lot of variables, it sounds like. Mm
0: -hmm. And we try to have some sort of macro approach to it all as well. So we have a system where we all sit down together, develop a meso plan, so a larger scale planning, then each coach would use that plan to also develop the detail from each template and then use the templates to create um, individualized an individualized plan based off what we are assessing and what outcome we'd like to achieve
1: so you guys as the brains trust take a lot of the burden from the individual themselves who mm-hmm. come to you you sit down and obviously you're saying that as a team you determine a lot a lot of the the work that has to be done for the client mm-hmm. and the client can um obviously not have to work as hard mentally and leave it all to you guys
0: yes yeah, so if they if they pretty much just listen to us there's not, there's not much thinking they have to do. They just follow the program, eat the food they're supposed to eat and record.
1: That's a pretty nice outcome. Now that's especially the body composition changes and the strength challenges as well. What do you find the difference for the powerlifting? As I say, most, it, lifters league is based around the three core lifts.
0: Mm-hmm. So we very closely monitor body composition because there's a very strong correlation to how you perhaps recovering from training in terms of strength, we want to know that you are consistently increasing muscle over time. If you aren't, are un—you're un, you're unlikely to be building any strength. So it's a good point to measure in terms of that we are going to get stronger. If we're going through a prep and you're building muscle, you're probably going to end up stronger. Um, and um, oh, mind like Yeah, so you'll, you'll probably end up going to be stronger. And in terms of if you are starting to go backwards, then we know that that's. Possibly to do with you know, uh, lack of recovery, not enough eating. Um, so it's <laughs> something to constantly monitor. How often,
1: how often do people check
0: in with you? Depending on the depending on what season they're in, if they come into competition, especially for someone like pro Raw, it was weekly. Um, but not just weekly. As we sit down to do uh, not just the body composition testing, but then we also review their programming. To see if there are any hiccups along the way, and what do we need to modify to get there. And this is more so with more the elite guys, as there are a lot more things that can possibly not not go wrong. Just there's other there's just a lot extra variables to account for, especially when we're working in a realm where people where not many people have worked in before in terms of how. Strong, some of our girls are like it's very different to see one of our girls working off a you know 150 kilo max, it's something that isn't normal, so it's something that we have to monitor quite closely. So, you've got
1: male programs, female programs, orient stages, you've got Mm -hmm. novice lifter programs, you've got intermediate work, you've got elite work. Mm -hmm. There's a heck of a lot of late night reading there for you guys.
0: Yeah, well, every time, every time, every time I've done some research, I always try and and whether it fits with me or not we try and make some changes constantly to our programs and plans all the time Well these
1: things all start as really a bit of a personal journey do not they? Yes So where did your personal journey start? I mean what did it start? You came out of school? Did you want to lift weights then? What was the plan? Um,
0: No so after school uh, after school I thought I was going to be an aeronautical engineer I had aspirations to be an astronaut Um, Mm. Me too at one point that's interesting um, even looked up how you know what it took to become an astronaut. The following, seeing when job offers were available at NASA. Even <laughs> though now that I think back, it was probably going to be nearly impossible to do. Um,
1: so you came out thinking you might have a crack at that, being an astronaut or did aeronautical engineering. And what
0: happened? And then for some stupid reason, I decided to join the infantry. Um, <laughs> I don't know what motivated me to do that. I can't remember. I just. I remember one day I was doing very well at school, and I decided to drop out and join the military.
1: And there it was, mm. and something happened there, obviously.
0: So yeah, I was so in infantry. Is obviously we yeah we work in combat, and I was in preparation for MTF one, which is a mentoring task force one to get deployed to Afghanistan, and so I did a lot of their forced prep training coming into. Uh, coming into that our deployment and over that time I experienced I started to experience quite a few injuries um, which at the time we have to hide because if we get medical medical downgrade we can't get deployed so we kind of live with injuries and get worse and worse and worse and we just try to hide it and eventually break and so I end up getting stress fractures um, and was unable it was unable to continue the training. Got pulled off the trip, and um, that's where I decided to take up weight training. Had nothing to do, <laughs> and so.
1: What did you do? Eat and try?
0: So, well, first off, I ate a lot first before I decided to pick up the training. Put on a lot of weight, still trying to eat like a grunt and not doing the work. And so, because we put on some weight, we thought, okay, well, we re- realized we're probably getting a bit fat. Let's, uh, let's start doing some training.
1: And how did you learn to train? Well, I mean, what were the sources of information at that point?
0: Well, we were kind of a little bit lucky. And another thing back, we were very lucky that the person that we, were, that we looked up to, he was with us because we were posted to, um, posted to the guard room, basically just a, um, a job, to, to, you know, just a really shitty job. But we had a uh, guy there that was, uh, did powerlifting. Well, he used to do powerlifting, and so we looked up to because he was you know quite big, and he brought us our first programs, and at the same time we thought we could you know we followed his lifting programs. He taught us how to squat, bench, and deadlift, and um, but we were also very much into bodybuilding. So at the time it was at the time we looked up to Ronnie Coleman, who was you know up at, at the time about six or seven time Mister Olympia, going to going on to his eighth. And so he had a he came out with a program. So we thought we could do both. Um, silly enough, we realized we didn't realize for a long time, but we end up basically overtraining uh, for a very long time.
1: It's a fantastic experience just to go through something yourself. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's one. That's your, There's your first experience of a mistake that you make. Yes. Besides the overtraining that obviously set up the stress fractures. Yeah. I mean, all those experiences make you a better coach today.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um,
1: the things you recognise in people and you see it from a distance now. Yeah. Which is pretty huge. Well, then you left the military.
0: So, yeah, we, um, we kept not- training. We got better. We got, you know, we got obsessed with bodybuilding and we always powerlift. We always squat, bench and deadlift. We always focus on them getting stronger and stronger. Um, um, I got sick. I got sick and tired of... Well, the first time, I didn't have the ambition to become a coach. I was just enjoying training for myself. Um... I, we got sick of the military and decided to, and just decided to leave. Uh, Actually, before I decided to leave, I wanted to try and get deployed, so I tried to join the SAS. Um, And then very quickly, I got really sick of the, uh, as I was trying to join, I really got sick of the um, whole regimented way of military life, where um, not having the freedom to, you know, live your own life in, in, in the barracks or, you know, you have to clean your room all the time. You have to be in, go through inspections. You have to put on your service dress, been told to, Yeah, I mean, you just, the lack of freedom really got me unmotivated and decided that i might take up, you know, coaching or at the time, personal training.
1: Yeah, personal training. Mm. So that was an eye-opener, obviously the first personal training course you did.
0: Yeah, so I went through, went through, uh, Darwin University, Charles Darwin University, and did my Cert 3. Got discharged, took an entire year to get my discharge through. They don't like people leaving. Um, did my Cert 4 at uh, one of the Australian Fitness Institute or something. <laughs> yep. Something that, um, yeah. Um,
1: you paid your dues there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Um, None of those programs you'll ever use.
0: No, (laughs) no.
1: There's no doubt about that. So your first powerlifting comp, when was that?
0: 2012, did a push-pull comp, Um, got a a 170 bench, 140, 150 deadlift. Um, Can't remember the placing at all. Don't don't really remember what happened, but I remember that I had a, a lot of people at the time in awe of my bench press. Since one seventy bench at ninety kilos was a big deal back then, yeah. not so much today, but back then it was a quite a big deal to have such a big bench, and so I liked the recognition, and. Um,
1: Were you really interested in programming at that time, or was it a, a well, bit of a shotgun approach just to get to that point?
0: Well, I basically just did a lot of what, I just did a lot of what I needed to do to get. Um, of what I wanted to, of the lifts I needed to do. So I just did 10 sets of squats, yeah. <laughs> you know. um, 10 sets of bench. I just did a bench as much as I can. I had no, I had, I had only very basic concepts of lift um, programming at the time. Yeah. Um, and then? But I had been doing a lot of research and, and uh, listening to, uh, watching a lot of lectures, listening to a lot of podcasts, which then started building the fundamentals more and more of what I know now.
1: And that was 2012? yes and now 2018 you've competed in pro raw 10. yes and what were your numbers like there
0: so well comparing to my first day my first squats so i my first comp i did a 210 squat and then at pro raw pro raw 10 a 360
1: 360
0: squat did a change yeah <laughs> well my 170 bench went to 222 yeah that's and, still going up yeah um, and not as much progress on my deadlift um, in terms of comp lifts I went from, I only got a 265 deadlift pulled a 300 before but um, it's always gotten the best of me at competitions um, well the journey's not over yet is it? no that's a
1: fair bit of difference and so your, your personal programming for getting close to Pro world Team was very different to well, 2012.
0: Yes. Very different now. Um, there's a lot of aspects in terms of how much, if we go back to teamwork, how much... I'm, I've never been great at following my own programs that I write for myself. So I actually end up just doing what I write for the team.
1: Well, it seems to work pretty well. The teams had some great success this year. Yeah. I mean, we just at the spectacular success at, um, yeah, with Sarah this year. Mm. And the programming, I'm I'm in awe of watching, you know, the team when they train here, the volumes that they seem to handle so well. Yeah. Yeah, It's astounding. You know, I don't see many gyms anywhere where people seem to handle the loads that you prescribe so well and so happily. So obviously you've got a real mastery of how to handle lifters and loading because Mm. that's the key to the success that I see here.
0: Well, I've... I've I've developed a lot of what I have learned now um, with programming. Now with, with uh, along the lines of what more the Russians do, and I know what how they've derived their work from what they do with Olympic lifters, Olympic lifters, and so they're working with you know very high frequency and very um, low low to medium loads of uh, of intensity had seemed to uh, had a huge focus on uh at the skill aspect of lifting rather than focusing on trying to build up reps and intent with uh, build up reps and intensity which seems to be the common progressive overload approach in the industry which works really well for novices doesn't seem to work so well for elite as it seems to produce more injuries more overuse injuries um um sustainability through a prep, longevity
1: for prep. Mm, so there it really is. That's why I'm seeing them handle these significant loads, but mm. high high volumes mm-hmm. and frequent training.
0: Very frequent, yes. Yeah.
1: That's the development of skill that you see. So there's a lot of really amazing well, programming from that last year gone, for, gone, gone by, and now we've got the next one to look forward to. So you did really well at the States again with the team once again. A lot of uh, Lifters League really seems based around a team approach.
0: Well, yeah, I always... I think I think it's just the, the military side of me where I believe some of the hardest things that uh, can be done better as a team than as an individual. And, I mean, I think comparing to military experience, you'll go through some extraordinary amount of pain, which without the team and the people around you, there is no way... unless you've had many years of training that an individual could push themselves through such extreme adversity.
1: And what do you think of the um, major failures while people do not have success? When people come in or you, you see that, you know, people who have failed on certain approaches, where's the failure often?
0: Well, if I look at, you know, where some of my team have come from and where they're heading, now the team itself had a very big impact on um people's approach to to training and training intensity and i think it was a bit of i think it works with a bit of social pressure that allows these people to push beyond where they feel uncomfortable um because they can't let down the team Mm. um and it is very uncomfortable to train uh if you know especially coming to prep if you want to create a level of adaption then you have to have discomfort, <laughs> a lot of discomfort, and
1: something always has to be sacrificed, doesn't it?
0: Yes, and people don't seem to understand. I think one thing I've recognised that people where you know my mentality to lifting compared to others is that I embrace the pain and discomfort, where a lot of other people avoid it, and I think uh, having a team. Um, having a team of people around you pushes you through what you need to do to succeed.
1: That's a great thing to consider Mm. is that yes, having that team there who are also going through the pain and you see them go through it can allow you to know that you're looking forward to being part of that team Mm -hmm. and yeah, showing that you're part of it by working that that extra bit harder.
0: And I think just like the military, knowing that you've all gone through the same thing builds that Camaraderie, that family, that
1: you yep, have to get everyone back in for the next session. Mm. And how about the eating side for yourself? Um, you found it a challenge sometimes too to, you' the heavy weights that you compete at.
0: Yeah, I, I, I hate it. Um, you go from so it's just, it just seems to be the complete opposite to anyone dieting. The style of dieting that we have to do is that you can't seem to get away from food. You want to stop eating. Yeah, many nights, there are many nights of, of acid reflux and, <laughs> and um, even vomiting, um, force feeding every night, <laughs> um, and then forcing it down with getting, so first it'll be nighttime force feeding of you know, a 1,200 1,500 calorie meal, and then get another 1,500 calorie of shakedown. <laughs> on top of it,
1: people um, really don't realize how hard the eating can be.
0: No, you can miss you miss a half a day of eating, you're down you're down a kilo or two, and that impacts your training.
1: Well, that's really important that you can actually really say that that is important for people to understand mm-hmm. how important the the eating side of it is to be able to handle it's, the volumes and recovery,
0: especially at this level. And yeah, and if you want to be able to hit the reason why we get away with more and more volume of work with each person is because we also monitor their recovery closely you need more food you're you losing muscle mass you should be fixing train up here or eating more food here or improving sleep things that we can do to constantly improve recovery allows us to get away with the load as well
1: superb so all those variables are really not negotiated on when you're getting ready for prep it's
0: no if you need to eat if you need to eat that other meal at, until 1 a.m. in the morning you're up until you get it down <laughs> or you blend it and skull it
1: and people have got to understand that yeah the training's great the program is good Nutrition the, can't be negotiated on either.
0: The eating's harder. Everyone says the same thing, especially the guy coming into, especially coming into pro roll. Then eating is harder than training. It truly
1: is, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's a brutal part of it.
0: And everything in your everything in your body is telling you to stop eating. <laughs> um, but it's that it's fighting through it.
1: Uh, it's a glorious place to be at the pinnacle of that mountain. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a superb one. And as a thought for people who perhaps even get to know you a bit better in some respects is. You know, the things that you read that inspire you or make you think is there anything currently that takes you somewhere that you're helping personally develop yourself as an individual have there been books in the past or things and influences in the past that
0: I've read have a, been integral well in the, I've read a lot of all sorts of books and all sorts of areas and it's not always to do with lifting I've done I read a lot of lifting read a lot of lifting books and nutrition books um but I've always, I've always, I've always taken interest in, in terms of reading. I've always taken interest in psychology books, yep. and um, I think the last one, the last one I read was um, "How to How to Win Friends and Influence People." Yeah. And I think I wanted to r- definitely read that because I wanted to. Um, how do I nicely fire someone? <laughs>
1: so, um, that's, a very, that's a question a lot of people do ask too.
0: Mm. Yeah. No nice way to do it, but do it the best I can.
1: <laughs> yeah, so if you were going to recommend a, a book for somebody to start to learn to think in a, a good manner, what would you think? Would that be the book you'd aim for first up? No,
0: actually, the number one book I recommend, and I don't think it's anything to do with lifting or psychology, actually probably a bit of psychology, it was actually um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
1: Yeah, great. Why was that one?
0: To get people into the mind frame of... Understanding business and money, um, running a business and working as an employee are very two completely different things. Where I think I had a discussion today with a client about um, the morality of money, or people people associate money with morality. Where I'm trying to make a you know honest living, people will see you as a crook trying to take people's money. And it's like, well, I don't really pocket that money myself, but. You know, it's people associate me taking people's money as morality, but that's just when it gets a bit ugly. That's not <laughs> a commonplace, obviously. But um, when people ask me about business, and I always say, well, that's not going to work unless you're in the mind frame <laughs> and you have some balls, um, I always that's, recommend that book.
1: Well, it's a good one for people to consider, it. and that's what it's about. Isn't it? It's not always reading something within the field. That, allows us to think in the field, it's sometimes reading things that are outside our field that allows us to see our fields of endeavour in a different way, a different angle.
0: One other book that I've always liked um, that's outside this field, but also is kind of helpful in a way in terms of understanding is um, The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins.
1: Mm, Yeah, great. I don't know if you've I've got a first edition copy of that, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That was the first book he wrote, I think.
0: Yeah, I really really loved his book and it, really good to in terms of understanding I know it seems to have like a fundamental understanding of everything and when it comes to you know human behavior or life itself
1: great so there's a thought selfish gene by richard dawkins mm. and rich dad poor dad there's a couple of great p- things for people to start as you can see it's not just about the programming No. it's a lot of other things that help us understand how we program why we program and the way we see how to even do things
0: i think a big part of big part of a big part of this in terms of becoming a good coach was also understanding and it's just been it's been a massive interest of mine is um, evolutionary biology' yep. one of the things I got into why one reason I got into a lot of Richard Dawkins stuff uh, agreed I think yeah. it's
1: a it's a way I see a lot of you know, rehab that I do mm. you look at it from an evolutionary perspective and suddenly a lot of things become very clear and tell me what about your favorite foods when you're not, when you're not having to get in towards a comp and you're actually clear and, what do you really get to enjoy? What's the best thing?
0: Oh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty basic. I I love my steak and steak, rice and my pasta. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm actually happier doing that because that's kind of my, food that I have when I'm not force feeding. Well, it's still the force feeding food, but yeah um i hate force feeding and i like i like to just enjoy the amount of steak i like not you know five steaks just the one steak <laughs> yeah
1: that's a always cup pretty good.
0: just a nice cup of rice or awesome potato <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: i'm going to have to show you how to do those tequila oyster shooters sometimes will be better than the ones you did i'll get you the recipe oh, uh, sometime
0: i did one yeah <laughs> yeah that one didn't just taste well. like tequila than an oyster <laughs>
1: i'll Isn't help that? you on that one yeah. don't worry no here's a thought Imagine straight out of the blue if you had to invite three people around for a, a dinner party at Gus's, living or dead, who would they be? Who would you have around there? Living, time? Living or dead. Yeah, there you go. But the dead ones can talk, you know. Theoretical.
0: Carl uh, Sagan.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That'd be a great one.
0: Um, Jesus. Um, I'm not Jesus. I don't want to speak, to <laughs> want to speak to Could be interesting.
1: <laughs> um, especially if you bring Dawkins.
0: Oh yeah, there would I mean, be so many interesting so many interesting people. Be even people back, you know, hundreds of years ago and we look at people like Sure Eva like Isaac Newton.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be great around the table? Yeah. Hal Sagan, Isaac Newton. That'd be interesting just so to see. Something from the, the
0: past, something from the future.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um oh, we'll get good sitting at the table, huh? Who would inspire that? That sort. Vasily Alexei the Russian weightlifter.
0: <laughs> Ed Cowan. Actually, I probably would really like to um, um, speak to Borosheko. There you go. Mm. Well, perfect.
1: I'm sure you'd have lots lot to chat with the crew.
0: So, Isaac Newton, Carl Sagan, and Borosheko.
1: <laughs> I reckon that's a great lineup. Yeah. Let's just hope you got a lot of steak on the table. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's about our Lifters League podcast for the day. Yep. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah. Done it well.
1: Well. all right look forward to the next podcast on Muscle
0: Dude. i'd actually like to change my statement on the three people i would uh have dinner with uh first one would be uh, billionaire entrepreneur uh elon musk um theoretical physicist carl sagan and R- russian super coach uh boris shako If you want more content, find our blog at www.liftersleague.com.au and read from our contributing authors. Or find my personal blog at www.musclenerd.com.au To see more into what we do, follow me and my team on social media for Facebook and Instagram. For me, search at Muscle Nerd. For Lifters League, search at Lifters League. For Pip, search at Pip Brown. For Leoni search at Switchblade twenty one.